Welcome everyone to the L7C podcast college women's college gymnastics edition. Today we are going to be giving you an update on what's been going on in the world of women's college gymnastics. It's been about a month last time we talked when the season opened in January. So now we're close to the middle of March, getting close to winning time, getting close to the tournaments at the end. So we have our women's college gymnastics expert, Ms. Sarah Bogan, giving us an update. How are you doing today? I'm doing so well. It's spring break here at Utah State, so life is good. That, well, good old spring break. Ah, miss it. <laughs> it was good times. But Sarah, like I said, there's been a lot that has happened recently since our last update. So where... Do you want to begin? Oh, my goodness. I think, um, well, first of all, there's just, like you said, a lot that has been going on. Um, I'd love to talk kind of about the really exciting things that have been happening recently with college gymnastics. Mm -hmm. So actually last week, so we're recording this on um, Thursday, March 9th, Mm -hmm. about a week ago, we actually had uh, the privilege of seeing two one-two matchups in the span of three days with the number one ranked team and the number two ranked team mm-hmm. on road to nationals.com. So um, how did this happen? Well, um, on March 3rd, um, number one ranked Oklahoma went up against number two ranked Florida. And um, this was really exciting for a lot of people, um, but Florida being in kind of a strategic place and trying to serve the bodies of their best athletes made the decision not to put up full strength lineups against Oklahoma. So they lost to Oklahoma, got a fairly low score. And this actually allowed number three ranked Michigan to move ahead mm-hmm. of Florida in the standings. And so then three days later, Oklahoma went to Michigan, competed against Michigan in another one, two matchup. Um, and the really exciting thing that happened that day um, about three days ago now is um, then number two, Michigan beat number one, Oklahoma. And so this made a lot of people really excited, um, especially the true Michigan believers who never stopped believing in um, Michigan's lineups and Michigan's team um, and Michigan's ability. I really came into the season doubting Michigan. Um, I'll own up to that, but um, they really showed that they are still, despite, you know, graduating many of the people who helped them win the national championship two years ago, they really remain a national caliber, national championship capable team. Um, and so that was really exciting to see last week. So does that, I would say with that matchup that just went down, is it more about Michigan showing that they could be a a final four team or let alone a national championship. Cause I feel like almost the same time last year, we had this conversation about Michigan almost maybe to the T at the same time, or is it mm-hmm. more of Michigan was really, really good that day and Oklahoma slipped up, but just don't start counting out the defending champs like that. Ha. Well, so I don't think anybody's counting out the defending champs yet. Um, because we learned our lesson on that last year with doubting Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. I think it's more so like, and Oklahoma is definitely starting to show like kind of signs of weakness um, because 
I think I mentioned this before, you know, they've just been untouchable this season. They've been getting 198 scores left and right. They are number one. They've been number one all through the season. Um, but we are starting to see a little bit of fatigue set in. I think um, they had a couple of Jordan Bowers as one of their best floor workers. And in both of those one, two matchup meets against Florida and Michigan, Jordan Bowers had really a hard time with one of her tumbling passes. So mm-hmm. there are definitely things that, Oklahoma could have done better in both of those meets. Um, but Michigan has been on the rise, you know, like they were number two going into this. And so I don't know that I like, I don't, I wouldn't call it a fluke. I would call it an indication that Michigan is a team to watch still um, and a team to fear still. You brought up Florida too, how they had that meet and they sat like some of their like best competitors are you okay with that? There's other debates in other sports about how like some people are sitting out and then you're just basically flipping the bird to like a normal person who might have like saved up and this is the only time they could see these competitors and they weren't able to. Like, are you okay with them doing that strategically and maybe other teams doing that yeah. from now on? Yeah, I think there's a lot of discussion about this on the gym internet and in the gymnastics fandom community because a lot of people were really, really excited about this one-two matchup. It was on, um, I think, ESPN, too. It wasn't on main ESPN, but it did have a really big television spot. And a lot of people were really disappointed in not being able to see Trinity Thomas in all of her glory and not being able to see that full star-studded Florida lineup in all of its glory. Where I stand on it is, I think... Florida made the right choice for themselves in terms of strategy in order to, you know, kind of save up and be ready for postseason. You know, they took the risk, you know, like gymnastics is a really subjective sport. Um, We want it to be as fair as possible, but it does come down to the judges expectations of what's going to happen and being well known as the team that beat Oklahoma is something that helps, you know, that we don't want to admit it. So like they did give that up. But I do respect them for making a conservative decision, especially when it comes to protecting the bodies of these athletes. Because remember, this is a really high impact sport. Mm -hmm. This is a really high injury sport. And these are all athletes who have been doing this sport at this really high level for their entire lives. Um, And so I would say that I respect their decision. And I think if we want to see more one, two matchups like this, really big matchups that are like, this was also a rematch meet between the first and second ranked teams at nationals last year. Um, I would love to see this sort of thing happen kind of earlier in the season or like at a time in the season where there isn't going to need to be that resting in preparation for postseason. Okay. Um, so I think there are things that can be done with kind of the design of the season and the rules of postseason. Um, that can kind of help with that. I guess with now fall sports in general, all that stuff, I don't want it to get to a point where, especially for a sport that most people don't get to see really on all like ESPN, ESPN Mm -hmm. two till either a one versus two matchup or near the end that we start resting everyone. And then they only compete like closer to tournament time. That's the only thing I think some people would be afraid of. Yeah, well, and teams already do that. You know, we're going to see that. You know, I was going to bring up definitely Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Um, Oklahoma is really well known for doing that. Like, 
they have a gymnast. She's a fifth year senior. She's amazing. Her name's Olivia Troutman. Mm -hmm. um, and this is one of the reasons we need to keep an eye on Oklahoma and realize Oklahoma is just starting to rev up to their best. But Olivia Troutman is a gymnast who is like broken, very broken, but very talented. And so AJ Kindler's strategy with her the past couple of years has been to wrap her in bubble wrap, keep her really safe for most of the season, and then unwrap her and set her out onto the floor and onto the beam and onto the bars in postseason to get the most out of her when they need her the most. Um, so these sorts of things, you know, happen all the time. And I think like, I think it's a phenomenon that I think is like cool. It's definitely a strategically important thing. And I think it um, kind of lends itself well to um, favoring teams that really have that depth and rewarding teams that have a lot of depth because you can't use the strategy of resting everybody if you don't have, you know, other people to step up into the roles Great. and support them. So. Uh, you said the word broken and not almost in the same sense, but just transition to that. Cause that's a good transition word. Basically mm -hmm. almost your home home place right now from Utah, Utah yes. gymnastics talking about grace McCallum's knee injury. I was seeing that yes. what's the latest on her, how long is she going to be out? Is she going to be back? Yeah, so she, that is the question. That's what Utah fans are most waiting with bated breath to find out. There's hope that she will be back for postseason. But what happened with Grace a couple of weeks ago was she was doing a vault and she landed on her vault facing forward um, with her knees locked out. And we had been seeing her doing this in meets. Um, and it was concerning to a lot of people because that's a good way to destroy your knees, you know, mm -hmm. landing locked legged like that. And so what happened was she hyperextended. It looked like both of her knees, but one of her knees um, was just like really badly injured um, from that happening. And so she has been out, which mean, has meant that Utah has not been at full strength for the past few meets, um, which has kind of put a question mark into what they're going to be able to do in postseason when grace is going to be back she's a big star for them big scorer and it kind of throws a question mark into how we can expect utah to perform in postseason i mean you're you're knowledgeable about the team of utah can they survive until mm -hmm. she comes back like oh absolutely okay. yeah they absolutely can um but in order to be a national you know like they're a Final Four team, for sure. Um, I think in order to be a national champion mm -hmm. level team, I believe that they're going to need every piece of gymnastics that they can. Um, they're a deep team. They have a ton of talent. But, you know, every single person on that team allows Utah to get closer to pushing all the way to the national championship. So I don't think a Utah without Grace McCallum can win the nationals. That's just my opinion. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, where do you want to go to next? We got some teams to watch. We got some national stuff. Where, where do you want to go to next? Yeah, I guess we're. I guess we could talk a little bit. You know, we've been talking about like teams. Um, I do want to give a shout out to Michigan State, the number um, ten ranked team in the country right now. Yeah, so they're number ten for now, but. They're the team I am most excited. I've been most excited to watch. And I'm most excited to see what they do in postseason. So they have had a number of, well, first of all, last season, they did amazing. I think they made regional finals last year. Or no, they made nationals last year, right? Oh, yeah. Well, um, you do. They were, I can check. Yeah, 
they were kind of a Cinderella story kind of team, um, just kind of rising out of the Big Ten and becoming a national caliber team. And they're doing that again this year, but like to a higher extent. So kind of the most recent major accomplishment they had was last week. They um, broke 198 in their team score. Um, And 198 is a team score that only the very, very top teams will get. Um, So it's kind of like that 198 threshold. That's an average score of 9.9 for every routine that counts um, is a big deal. You know, they're a top national qualifier level team and they just keep getting better as the season goes on. Um, Kind of before this happened, um, they won a share of the Big Ten regular season championship. So they are kind of tied. They tied in um, Big Ten matchup wins with Michigan. So they have are on the same level as Michigan in the Big Ten in terms of regular season. Earlier in the season, they actually beat Michigan. Mm. You know, the wow. Michigan, Michigan State meet. You know, Michigan wasn't their best, but Michigan State mm-hmm. showed that like if a national championship team messes up, they're right there ready to step up and win. Um, So they kind of have this amazing momentum um, and I'm really, really excited to see where they take it in postseason. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they end up ranked higher than 10 once we go into postseason. Um, Oh, there's a lot of, there's a lot of teams ahead of them that are pretty good. So you'd have to knock one of them out one or two. Oh, I think they can do it. I absolutely believe they can do it, especially if they keep going the way they have. Because you got you got Oklahoma one, Michigan two, Florida three, Utah four, UCLA five, LSU six, California seven, Alabama eight, Auburn nine, Michigan State ten. Currently recording, it's three nine twenty twenty three. So you're saying by next time they're going to be in the mate up. Oh. They're not going to be 10. They're going to be higher up. I think they will. I'm, my mm-hmm. guess is they're, they're going to move up. That's just my guess. Okay. Um, if we look at their actual NQS, so I think this would be a good time to review what goes into the rankings for post Sure, because this thing is detailed. I love it. It is. Yeah. Do you want to tell everyone kind of what, what we're looking at right now? All right. So we are looking at credit to the website gym tastic that's actually catchy yes. the number one gymnastics podcast in the galaxy so definitely shout out to them they have the nqs scores for the 2023 ncaa gymnastics season so obviously they have the nqs rankings we just um read so it has like the top how far do they go top they all have, the way down to the bottom top 84. 84 teams in the whole country so that's, that's all of them They're all of them. of them all 84 teams mm-hmm. And then when you go there, they also have some of the scores. So like say Michigan, they have like their road score number one, road score number two, road score number three, home slash road score number one, home slash road score two, home slash road score three. And they have all of them down. Then they have the NQS average at the bottom. I'm assuming that's the average. So yes, you see so that the way average. This, go ahead. So this is um, so this kind of is set up well to um, explain how the national qualifying score NQS is calculated. Mm-hmm. So teams have to compete in order to have an NQS. They have to compete in at least six meets. Everybody does more than six meets by a lot. Um, but the way NQS is calculated is you take your 
top six scores throughout the entire season, but three of those scores have to be road scores in order to count. And so that's why it's um, differentiated based on road score and home or road score is because three, you have to have three road scores Mm -hmm. in your NQS. So once you have those um, six scores, you take the highest score of all of those, take it out. And then the remaining five, you average, and that becomes your NQS. Oh, so you take out the highest score. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like if you just have like a really fluky, not like necessarily fluky, but like if you have like one really amazing 198 meet, mm-hmm. if you can't if you can't replicate that or if like that was just kind of an outlier, that doesn't get to count towards your NQS. Mm-hmm. That's um, interesting. So the reason I'm thinking that Michigan State have a good chance to move up in the ranking is if we go over to the Michigan State breakdowns of how their 197.455 NQS mm-hmm. was calculated, you can see that their um, bottom score, their home road score three, is a 197.2. Mm-hmm. That's like at least two tenths lower than all of their other NQS scores. Okay. So if this week, so they're I think there are two weeks left of the season. Um, There's like one more um, weekend of meets coming up this weekend. And then we'll head into national um, or rather conference championships. That conference championship weekend is the last opportunity teams will have to improve their NQFs. If Michigan State continues on the trajectory they're going, they're definitely going to get something way higher than Mm 197.2. And so even if they hit kind of the average of what they've been getting lately, they're going to be able to drop that 197.2 and replace it, you know, pull in, you know, a number that's bigger than that. And so 197.455, that's likely to go up when that 197.2 is dropped. Um, You know, can contrast that with somewhere like, I think I was thinking about Denver. So Denver is 11 um, and they're below Michigan State, but you know, for the sake of the argument, for the sake of, you know, thinking about how they can move up. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, Michigan State has that 197.2. Um, Denver um, has two 197.2s um, that are also lower than the rest of theirs. But both of them are road scores. And Denver has two meets left in regular season. One is a home meet which isn't eligible to replace one of those 197.2s because they need to use a road meet to, you know, drop one of those. Um, and conference championships, which is in a way, um, and so they also have an opportunity to drop that road score. So Denver only has an opportunity to drop one of their lowest scores, mm-hmm. whereas Michigan State could drop all of them. And then looking at Auburn, Auburn's in a really similar situation to Michigan State, they also have a 197.2, and they do have this 197.3 as well. They can drop. Um, Auburn is another one to watch in terms of a team that is able to move up in their rankings. Mm-hmm. Um, Auburn's going to be dangerous in postseason. So um, there are all sorts of numbers games you can kind of play with NQS and see what could happen as we approach postseason. So with the NQS scores, let's just say like for a casual person let me just look at so like georgia like currently their nqs is 196 860 and let's mm-hmm. just say like arkansas right now is 197 just flat how big is a difference are those points so like 
if someone's just looking at this, like, ah, they're only like point something better NQS wise, or maybe they're one point better, two points better. How big of a gap is one or two points between like teams? Yeah, it's a lot. So um, I guess, so maybe this would help. Um, So 196 for like an individual meet, in an individual meet, five scores on each event count. So you get 20 scores. Maximum is out of 10. So maximum score you can have is 200. So in order to get a 196 as a team, you're averaging, you have to average a 9.8 for every routine. And then every point you go up, you have to add a, a like a basically a one tenth or like a five or five a half tenth is what we say in gymnastics. You have to add a half tenth average to all of the scores. So 197 on average, that means you're getting um, a 985 average. Okay. And then to go up to 198, you have to get nine nines on average for your entire team on all of your events. So the difference between like a 197 threshold and then 196 threshold, you know, breaking that threshold from 196 to 197 is really difficult, especially when you're thinking about averaging scores together. Um, so these differences of tenths can be, you know, especially in an average, it can be pretty significant. And then we've already hinted, so we can just go into that to like the how much longer do these teams have left to get better before it's before we're talking about the NCAA tournament? Two or three meets. Well, that doesn't so, seem like that's um, many. That's a lot. <laughs> um, it's not a lot, but there is potential, especially. Um, especially if teams are counting lower scores currently. Mm-hmm. Um, the teams that are counting, currently counting the lowest scores are the ones that have the met- most potential to move up. So, yeah, there are some teams like, I mean, obviously Oklahoma doesn't have anywhere to go, but even if they were, you know, if they were getting the scores they were getting and were ranked two or three, it was probably going to be unlikely that they would move up just because they have on average been getting, you know, pretty high scores, 198. Um, It's the teams that have been like kind of more inconsistent Mm -hmm. um, that we're going to see kind of the most movement with at the end here as they kind of find their stride and get to drop off kind of those meets they'd rather forget about. Fair enough, fair enough. Um, So we're talking about, so we talked about postseason uh, talking about how there's only one or two or meets left. I do want to talk about individually wise and record setting wise. I don't remember the, now I'm trying to go all the way back because there was these gymnasts. Now I don't, I don't think obviously you've watched this more in depth than I have. So just correct me if I'm wrong, but this year especially the caliber of the routines and all of that i feel like it's been on a whole other level and the reason i'm saying that is because of all the perfect tens that have been out this year i feel like it's just like record breaking with how many of these gymnasts are just knocking it out of the park right now what are your thoughts of being an avid fan of that and seeing everyone just going off yeah so well, first, so first of all i mean there are th- two things at play here. First of all, 
yes, the caliber of gymnastics in NCAA right now is better than it ever has been. Like in terms of not just, you know, individual teams being awesome, mm-hmm. um, but, you know, teams across the NCAA having just excellence going on. Another thing at play right now, and like a lot of avid gymnastics fans are very critical of, is the judging. The judging has been getting a lot more forgiving, especially for certain teams. So um, there are a lot of people who are avid fans who say that a lot of the perfect tens that we're seeing aren't actually perfect tens. So like there, just for an example, um, when I watched the um, Wasatch Classic in person, I saw Jade Perry get a perfect 10 on vault in which her foot moved very, very noticeably on her landing. Um, and so there's some thought that maybe judges are getting pressure from the networks or, you know, pressure from the fans, you know, whether it's something conscious or not, that, you know, judges are feeling pressure to give higher scores for ratings reasons. Mm. So, I mean, the more tens is great for the sport because people are excited about it. But I think um, there's also a lot of concern that perfect tens are kind of being cheapened by non-perfect routines getting perfect scores. I think that's the thing in like all sports now, especially in this day and age of like, just because records are meant to be broken and things of that nature, but it's like obviously different eras, different judges, different criteria. But I mean, we're on the verge of, because she's in our thing too, of Trinity. Mm-hmm. She's yes, we- more than likely, unless something catastrophic happens to her from now until April, she's going to break the record for yeah, perfect 10. Hopefully. She's currently at 25 and the record is 28. So what mm-hmm. are your thoughts so- on her, her journey? And she's only three away. Yeah, I mean, that's amazing. So the um, all-time Perfect 10 career record, 28, it's um, a tie currently. It's being held by um, Jenny Hansen, who is an absolute legend um, from, you know, two decades ago. She was one of the best gymnasts in the country at University of Kentucky. She won NCAA all-around championships three years in a row. Um, She was untouchable. Her record for 28 perfect tens in her career has held for over two decades, um, matched only by Jeannie Dancer in the late 90s um, or early 2000s, excuse me, also with 28. And Jamie Dancer um, was an Olympian in 2000. And so back in, you know, shortly after 2000, 2001, um, we started seeing the first major influx of U.S. Olympians going into NCAA. So mm-hmm. there was another kind of big surge in quality in NCAA gymnastics back then as well. And so she came from that era. And Trinity is inching her way toward that record that has all of this great history. So Trinity is an amazing gymnast. Um, she's an all-arounder, which always helps when you have, you know, four events every meet that you're doing. You have more opportunities to get perfect tens. Um, and it's really exciting to see her, you know, coming into the spotlight and coming into etching herself in the history of college gymnastics. That said, there has been kind of some discussion. And I'd love to hear your thoughts, Martin, on um, kind of her discussion about, like, should there be... So Trinity is a fifth year, um, fifth year senior. So she took the extra COVID year. Um, And so she's getting these 25 perfect tens at this point in five seasons. Mm -hmm. 
Whereas if you look at um, Maggie Nichols and Kyla Ross, Maggie was um, an Oklahoma gymnast. Kyla Ross was a UCLA gymnast. Both of them were U.S. national team members, um, world championships, world champions, all of that. Both of them have 22 perfect tens to their name, but both of them only had four seasons. And not only that, but both of their senior seasons were cut short by the COVID pandemic. Mm. So there's also kind of a lot of discussion about, you know, it's great that Trinity is approaching this record, but she's had a lot more time to do it than people like Maggie Nichols and Kyla Ross have had. So what do you think about that? So I think with that situation, almost to other sports where it's been happening, uh, just last year, a base um, baseball, Aaron Judge broke the AL home run record that um, Babe Ruth had. And obviously, Babe Ruth played in a completely different era, medicine, all of that. Or like in just in basketball, where LeBron broke the all-time scoring record, who Kareem had that for 37 years, and he never shot a three-pointer. It was just twos. And obviously, the game mm-hmm. has changed and all that stuff. I feel like with Trinity, there's things in this situation, there are things you just can't avoid. Yeah, she's had more chances to get a perfect 10 but even though she's had more chances doesn't mean those perfect 10s were guaranteed so that's where i kind of stand on it like you've had more chances but she could have had in those performances 8.5s or 9s or something like that she was the one who had the 10 so she's made the best out of having in her situation and that's just the way it is unfortunately I mean, yeah, five years really from now, there could be more meets and then someone else is close to this thing. And then they were going to have the same. I'm like, oh, well, they increase the meets because it's generating revenue and all of that. So. This is how I feel. I mean, yeah, it's an interesting conversation. I mean, other people are kind of pointing out that um, Trinity has had, you know, a couple of injuries, a number of ankle injuries mm-hmm. that have kept her out of meets. And so if you look at the number of meets she's had, it's actually comparable to what Maggie and Kyla have had. Um, so it's just kind of an interesting conversation. And I hope, I hope everybody in the conversation gets, you know, I guess all the credit that they deserve, you know, whether it's Trinity or whether it's, you know, people like um, Kyla and Maggie, um, just for being the really awesome gymnasts they are and the achievements all of them have made what are the individual um, rankings right now so the individual well what a great question so we're so we're um, talking at about the, of the season we're so um wrapped up in team qualifying but yeah let's let's pull it up road to nationals i know jade's really making moves in the all-around rankings i think currently they have her at number one sounds like jade <laughs> Like, it looks like it has Jade, Jordan, Trinity, Haley, Jordan, no, another Jordan, Selena. <laughs> Jordan Bowers. Oh, I didn't realize Jordan was that high up. Um, Selena Harris, she's an amazing person. So um, Selena Harris is a freshman at UCLA. She was the number one recruit in her recruiting class, and she mm-hmm. has been living up to that for sure. I got to see her in person at Wasatch Classic, um, and she is going to have such a great career if she stays healthy um i'm so excited for more people to see her on the national stage come postseason um what's interesting is um nobody i don't know that anybody expects to see suny lee down at seven at this point no i don't think anyone in their right mind would think that but i mean 
No, it's not like the six people above her suck. Like all these people are really, really good. And it's also one of those things. It's like, well, you can be ahead of someone now. Like you were talking about Michigan State, but once the tournament starts, we'll see how it goes. Yeah, for sure. And these national qualifying scores, um, I guess we could talk a little bit about how qualification into postseason works. But mm-hmm. I believe at this point, um, so you only get a national qualifying score if you have it's you know it works the same way for the individual events. Um, you only get your national qualifying score if you compete in six meets throughout the season. So I believe, if I remember correctly, a year ago, Trinity Thomas wasn't even in the national rankings because she was injured and she didn't have enough meets, but she came back and was healthy and was fresh and was able to take the national title individually. So the NQS, I find for individuals, is just not necessarily indicative of who's actually going to win, but where it is important is when it comes to qualifying um for regionals and nationals um for the gymnasts that are on teams that are unlikely to make it as teams so for example for example being ranked number one in nationals or Mm -hmm. being ranked number one nationally Mm -hmm. uh, for jade carey just hypothetically oregon state has had a great season but if oregon state were to not qualify to regionals or then not qualify to nationals on the merit of her hobby, I guess it would be regionals at this point. Um, so like if Oregon State were not to qualify for regionals, um, Jade would get to go on merit of her NQS. Okay, okay. That, that makes, it's one of those things like, if you're really, really good and it's just the team is not, at least you will still be able to to go in theory. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And like SUNY Lee, you know, like I think if SUNY is healthy, I think we will see her at nationals regardless of what happens with Auburn. Because um, Auburn, I mean, Auburn is, they're good. Well, I don't, well I'm not going to say anything because last time, Last year, I mean, they were like, all right, we're in the final four, too. So just, just, I mean, this, the next conversation we have, these whole rankings might be flipped upside down and right side up. They might be. And side to side. And I I will say with SUNY, too, on that February 4th, she did have two perfect tens against Alabama, who Alabama is really good, Mm -hmm. but she had that. And just one more thing on the trip, going back to Trinity where when they interviewed her and obviously she's accomplished almost, I mean, anything you can really accomplish the thing. And she said, the only thing I want to do is win a national championship with my team. Like, that's all I, that's all I have left. Like individually. I mean, which they're always, Florida is always in it. So that's, and that just shows you the type of competitor Trinity is. It's like, yeah, I'm approaching this record, but I want to win a national championship like overall for Florida. So just shows where her head's at, which is a great ambassador for one of the great ambassadors for the sport. Oh, absolutely. And I hope Trinity stays involved with the sport in some ways moving forward because we're going to miss her out on the mm-hmm. floor so much. 
I mean, she's one of the best, one of the best on planet Earth to this right now. One of the best all time. So we are February. No, we're I was gonna say we're in February. We're in March 9th, 2023. Uh Sarah, our first podcast this year came out. It was published and out to the public on January 20th, 2003. Uh, we put down your final four teams on that day. We had Sooners. California, Utah, Florida. Now, it is March. What is the update now? What's your new final four rankings? Well, first of all, I want to publicly apologize for underestimating Michigan. (laughs) I definitely did not think they would do as well this year as they have. Um, So that said, I definitely would put both Oklahoma and Michigan in the final four. And Florida also absolutely needs to be in there um i struggled with number four again i i struggled with number four back then a lot and i think i'm going to struggle with them again now um i still think utah especially if they have grace mccallum back you can never count like with utah being you know having the history they are and being the great competitors they are Mm -hmm. um i don't think we can count out utah but i still think there are certain teams that could weasel their way in and that's going to depend very much on what the bracket ends up being and that will be all depend on their rankings um so i'll definitely i'll say like i'll say oklahoma and michigan florida utah for now um but i think my honorable mentions which um this will all change probably depending on what the bracket looks like but um i think i do think cal is of the caliber that they could spoil and get in there i think ucla could definitely get in there they have a lot to prove this year um a lot of redemption that they're going to be hungry for this year and i'm going to go out on a limb and say um michigan state could be a spoiler for the final four like i think if michigan state does what they are able to do at their highest level i think they could be a national final level team okay so, so yeah. current and final fours, we had Michigan Sooners, State. Michigan, Florida, Utah. But then you said honorable mention. So basically, tournament-wise, the outside looking in, like they're right mm-hmm. there on the cusp of a Utah for that fourth spot. Like if something happens to Utah, maybe someone slips up on the beam and Cal's right there, they could take that spot. Or UCLA could take that spot. Or Michigan State could take that spot. So it's not, I mean... The only difference, I mean, you just dropped Cal out from your January one to outside looking in and put Michigan in. So it's not that different from what you had. You just had some people on the outside looking in, which it happens. But then just For looking sure. at the teams. So then what about some of those teams down there in the South, like a... Like LSU, LSU and Alabama, obviously. So what about those teams? Do you think they have a so, shot? I think they, they do. Um, they always do. You know, um, Auburn's another one that could really get in there. I think LSU, I struggle with LSU just because they have a history of doing really awesome early in the season and then petering out. It seems mm. like that might be happening again this year. Um and they've also had a lot of injuries. They've had like a lot of key people, um, you know, be out. So we are not going to see a full strength LSU in postseason. 
Um, same with Alabama. They kind of, you know, if they're on, they're really on. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm not as excited about them going into postseason as, you know, I think I would need to be in order to put them in the top, top. When you say it's like they're on when they're on, do you credit that? Is that to coaching? Like not keeping them consistent? Like, is that a coaching thing where it's mm-hmm. like, all right, there's some, like we start off really hot and then we just peter out or we ha- or we're really, really on, but we can't be consistent. Is that a coaching thing? Is that a player thing? Like, what do you think? Yeah, I think it's a coaching thing. It's a conditioning thing. It's a staying healthy thing, but I think it's also like mental toughness. Um okay. And like being able to like show up and believe in themselves and hit, that's a whole, you know, that's a whole skill that you have to learn as a college gymnast. Um, another reason why I'm iffy about Alabama is like, I think they're going to hold pretty steady at their um, ranking now. Um, if the season ended today, they would end up in a regional with Oklahoma, Alabama. It would be Oklahoma, Alabama, Auburn, and Arkansas. So they would have to beat in order to make it to nationals even, you know, at each regional site, only two people or two teams make it out um, and go to nationals. And so Alabama would have to beat either Oklahoma or Auburn. Um, And Auburn's been surging lately. Um, And especially if SUNY gets healthy and gets back in the lineups, you know, they're going to be, you know, looking at potentially the last meet they ever have with SUNY Lee on the roster. Mm -hmm. I think that, energy is going to be hard for Alabama to beat. Um, so kind of these mid-tier teams, it's going to be tough for them to make it out just because they're kind of, they're going to get a tougher draw in, you know, the national or the regional finals. So we'll okay. see. They could definitely do it. You know, they're amazing teams. All of these teams are awesome. Sarah, anything else? Yeah. I mean, I do want to give a little bit of an update on my team. Um, so, you know, we are talking about all these top, top, top teams. Um, Mm -hmm. I am primarily a Mountain Room Gymnastics Conference fan because my home team, Utah State Aggies are in that conference. Mm -hmm. So the MRGC as a whole this year isn't doing as well as they did last year. Um, last year they were one of just a few conferences to get 100% of their teams into postseason in that top 36. I do want to give a huge shout out to Southern Utah. They're ranked 23rd right now. They've just been having just an incredible season. It's been so much fun to watch them. I think they've had the highest ceiling of the MRGC teams for years, and it's fun to finally see them be consistent. They've um, started going like consistently getting um, that 197 mark surpassed. Their um, NQS right now is 196.625, which is amazing they're above iowa they're above nebraska they're above arizona they're doing really well um, and they're going to be the mrgc's best shot in like heading into postseason boise state um, is 31 Um, they had a rocky start to their season Um, they're doing better now which is great to see and then byu is um, up at 33 now they also had a very very difficult season especially at the beginning um with being really inconsistent so Boise State and BYU will hopefully make it in. Um, something to watch with kind of 30, um, ranked 30 down is that um, the bottom ranked two teams in each of the regionals have to make it through a play-in meet in order to get through. 
or in order to get to, you know, regional semifinals. Um, and so that's a space you don't really want to be in because it's kind of a sudden death situation. Mm-hmm. You're also tired heading into regional semifinals um, in a way that, you know, other people in the semifinals aren't going to have. So um, they're trying at this point to try and move up so that they can avoid being in the plans. So that's exciting for both Boise State and BYU. Something to watch for the MRGC fans. Um, Utah State, unfortunately, is down at 47. Um, I think a miracle, as much as it breaks my heart, a miracle, absolute miracle is going to need to happen in order for them to get into postseason in top 36. Um, And Utah State has been through a lot in the past year. They were, um, you know, they had their best season they've ever had, you know, finishing wise. Last year, they were conference champions for the first time in history. They did amazing. And then their coach and six of their best gymnasts left to start the program at Clemson. And so they've been rebuilding. Um, Not only have they been rebuilding, they've had just adversity after adversity. So their best bar worker, Maya Fishwick, was out for the season. Um, one, two of their best floor workers, Amari Evans, and their leadoff, Marley Peterson, um, both have lower leg injuries. Amari actually uh, ruptured her Achilles at um, one of the home meets. I was there during warm-ups when she did her double back and landed short and just tore her Achilles on the floor in front of everyone. They have been through so much as a team um, and I remain incredibly proud of them and proud of how they, you know, fight through the adversity and have done the best they could with a difficult season. Um, so I just kind of want to give a little honorable mention to my home team. Um, and I'm really hoping they kind of pull through in the last few meets they have together as a team. Um, and I'm hoping that they'll have performances such that they're able to feel good about the season they had with the circumstances they had to overcome. So that is my um, shout out to my team. I still love them. I still support them. Um, and I just remain really excited for the rest of the MRGC teams heading into postseason. Oh, Anything else? Um, I guess that's all. I'm really excited to see what happens with um, postseason. I think there are a lot of storylines that can be followed. Um, I definitely look forward to coming and talking again once those brackets have been set and those ranks, rankings have been set and we can have kind of a more um, a more detailed bracketology kind of discussion as we preview postseason. So. Yeah, because it looks like on the road to nationals, well, the champion, the final four is on April 15th and 13th 13th so okay so then going all the way up wednesday march 29th is the los angeles regional one norman regional obviously these times are to be determined so they'll be in a couple weeks so just where will trinity be at record wise by the time we're back is she still going to be three away two away one away We'll see. I mean, one of the scary things as you approach these records is um, if you think too much about it, it you may get uh, shaky, um, mm-hmm. shaky feet uh, and more deductions. So hopefully, um, hopefully we don't have to wait <laughs> until the very end uh, for a community to get a perfect 10 uh, and get those records. Um, another thing to watch is once we get to regionals, we move from having two judges on each event to having four. 
And so Trinity will have to have all four judges give her a perfect 10 or to score 10 in the postseason. So it's going to get harder as time goes on. Um, so hopefully she'll be able to pull out perfect times within the next few meets so she can just kind of enjoy the end of her career. Get it over with. Uh, with that being said, thank you everyone for listening to the L7C podcast. Uh, be on the lookout for when those NCAA women's college gymnastics brackets come out. Uh, Cause then we will, like Sarah said, know where people are at so we can do some bracketology on that. Thank you for all the support. Make sure you like, rate, comment, subscribe, wherever you listen to. And this is the L7C podcast signing out. Thank you for listening to this episode of the L7C podcast. Be sure to like, rate, review, and subscribe to the channel. Follow us on all social media platforms, and we'll be talking to you guys soon. Take care.